Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Vox Podcast. Uh, this is your host, Michael Leary, and your other host, Tim Stafford. That's me. Yep. And uh, we just want to welcome you to another episode. We are so grateful to get to do what we do. And uh, just a couple of things off the bat. First of all, I have pneumonia, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> I thought it was COVID. I have pneumonia. So no. I feel I feel like garbage. My voice feels like garbage. My thinking is more garbage than usual. Oatmeal brain. So we are gonna we're gonna fight through this sucker because the Vox audience demands excellence. That's right. And uh, even if we don't achieve that, this is still being released. So we uh, at least know. know that we're trying. Yes, we are trying. Secondly, the response to our last episode was just fantastic. And 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 so many questions that came out of that about hell and judgment and sin. And so we're just going to marinate in this sucker for a little bit. Um, I am so delighted um, to be a part of this. This is so amazing. I just, I mean, Tim and I literally every week we pray and we just marvel at the gift that this whole thing is to us. Yeah. Um, and then, and then, uh, and, and so, and, and then, um, I'm sorry, I, I, there's so many transitions. I need to thank uh, a whole bunch of people for coming on Patreon. You guys, thank you. Oh, it's so kind. Uh, and I always feel like, do you, what, what was it? Uh, uh, what was the kindergarten show when I was a kid? Like Kindergarten Cop. Nope. Captain Kangaroo, and then there was a like, I see Johnny and I see Susie. Do you remember that? Or am I just okay? Anyway, uh, I just want to thank Jim and I want to thank James and I want to thank Nathan. Jim and James. Yep, that's right. Two separate people. I want to thank Nathan and Marion, which is my mom's middle name, which is awesome. I want to thank Dennis and Jason and Chris Ann. Wow. Um, for their incredible generosity to us. And so thank you for coming on the team. And if you're interested, go to patreon.com, look up Vox Podcast with Mike Erie, and there you go. So that's one way that people have responded. Another way people have responded, Tina um, wrote a very creative response and shared that just to be encouraging. And I emailed her back and I was like, hey, can we read this? And so she was like, well, I'm going to hate it, but yes. And so, um, but I just thought it was so cool. Um, how she wrote some, some poetic lyrics around this um, idea. So, Tim, why don't you why don't you just share that with us? You're the artist of the two of us, so give it give it some. <laughs> we were uh, just talking off mic though that um, this is such a cool. I would love to see if the way people respond to the content. Like this is such a specific and creative way to like process and then respond to the content in this way and i'm sure there's lots of people that paint and yeah. draw and that kind of stuff but i'd love to see anything that people are doing I yes pretty cool and yes you know if you make a painting or a drawing or whatever even sharing it on we put it on instagram or whatever i don't know but i think it's such a cool what a cool way to do that all right so this is this is from tina and it's titled arise and shine i love that Strengthen every feeble hand and steady the shaking knee. Look at the promise of Zion, the day of the Lord is coming. We can grieve the darkness because we also know light. He has taught us love and justice and he will come to make all right. Jesus is king, even now the vineyard owner to return. Our eyes will yet see the beauty of heaven 
at last wed to earth. Arise and shine, for your light has come. Follow him, all creation, from death to life. The first fruits of resurrection is himself, our way and guide. There is darkness in tombs, yes, but there is also in wombs. Now creation is laboring until everything is renewed. Our tears will turn to laughter, our mourning into dancing. The mute will sing, the lame will leap when our healing dawns in glory. We will sow seeds with gladness as beasts of labor take their rest. All sorrow and sighing will flee as relief comes for the oppressed. Arise and shine, for your light has come. Follow him, all creation, from death to life. The first fruits of resurrection is himself our way and guide. Come on. Darkness is the is in the tomb, but also the womb. Come on. Yeah, that's a really that's a great Dude, movie. that's so killer. Hey Tina, thank you. Thank you for yes, letting us share you. it. I know I know it's the worst hearing either your voice or your art often. Um especially read by true. somebody else, but thank you for letting us do that. And then I got uh I got another email that's a bit of off topic, but I, I wanted to spend a little bit of time on it. Because it, it it's about something that we've spoken around. Um, and it's about how churches, different churches are responding to the pandemic. So this is from um, somebody, and I'm gonna change I'm gonna change details like crazy. So I'm gonna call this person Jeremy. That's our that's our standard male he name. Class today. Yep, he spoke. Um, uh, he was on staff in a large church for four years. Uh, until very recently, um, they came back in person after the shutdown as soon as possible. And uh, there were lots of jokes made on staff about wearing masks. And uh, a lot of people stood publicly on the phrase, we will not live in fear. Wow. Um, before the mask mandate in our state, our uh, senior pastor stated that we could not wear masks in the building on Sundays. Could not. So to make things feel as normal as possible, if we wanted to wear a mask, we, we needed to find another job. Um, then he, he put out some stuff on systematic racism that he ended up taking back. Um, uh, fast forward to another episode where uh, this individual had emailed some volunteers saying it was okay to stay at home if you didn't feel safe. And that this person got called into the to the office and uh, told this wasn't not congruent with the pastor's vision of getting as many people on campus as possible. Um, one of our goals was to increase the number of people attending in person during a pandemic. I love that. Um, so uh, he was told he could take a massive pay cut, quit, or be fired. Um, if he decided to stay home. <laughs> or was it to wear a mask? Which one is? Uh, one of their elders died of, of COVID, and um, they didn't do anything to change their approach. Um, there's another racial sort of thing that happened um, where one of their pastors or somebody had had been saying, you know, systematic racism is a real thing, and that person got called in and let go. So the question is, what do I do? I have so many friends that are still on staff and either haven't seen what's happening or haven't cared to look. I want to stop the senior pastor from hurting people, but I also want to love him and the church. I'm worried about the damage, the power he has is doing to his soul 
I love that. And I'm worried how the damage will continue to hurt people I love. Any advice on what our Palestinian friend would do or more so what he would recommend to me? Thanks for reading. So we've talked a bit about... So this is in our, you know, this is in our area of concern. We've talked a bit about some of this stuff. Um, and, uh, and, and so I was, I, I read this and um, I was, you know, thinking about, you know, my first instinct uh, on, on these things is, okay, well, um, it's tough to know um, from, from an email, all the nuances and ins and outs church will always have the, their side of the story. Um, but it, let's say, let's say that, that on the face of this, this is just what happened. My response. And I think the response of Jesus, uh, and, and I say that very non-confidently, right? But I can't imagine our Palestinian friend, um, blessing leadership that looks nothing like the servant-hearted posture that he himself embodied. This sounds exactly like lording it over, the kind of leadership that Jesus uh, indicted and does not sound at all as if um, this is a place that is healthy. Now, again, all the disclaimers apply. I don't know what I'm talking about. But let's just walk through this for a second, right? I don't know the specifics, right. and I don't know, but but I, I've encountered, like even the church I'm a part of in Tennessee, um, there were people who left because we required masks or we went online, right. yeah. and, and all of a sudden it became an issue. And you're aware, I know, Tim, of a, of a church that's splitting about masks. Yeah. And and so I, I, this is an important issue, I think, to at least talk about. And, and feel free, bro, to chime in. Uh, so a couple of thoughts. Um, first of all, this sounds spiritually abusive. Hmm. This sounds like you should flee and not be a part of this community at all. This sounds um, on the face of it as if um, church growing and numbers are more important than church caring and discipling. Um, on the face of it, um, I, I would be grateful that you were released from there or that you chose to walk away, uh, even though that is a hardship for you and your family. Um, I, I simply do not think, I, I have tendencies like that, and so I feel bold enough in speaking against them to say that this is not a Jesus-y even remotely, and um, and somehow, some way. Uh, this will this will come back on itself, and um, this person's leadership will show itself for what it is. And unfortunately, uh, that that will probably be more carnage than if it were cut off and confronted. Um, now, do you agree with that, Timothy? Yeah. Um, I think our Palestinian friend would say, "Bless and pray for." I love the fact that you're living in the tension of how do I love him in the church, yeah. but how do I protect others? Man, I, I so appreciate the fact that you even carry that because it would be very easy and, and, and certainly in step with the times to simply just write a large post on Facebook calling this <laughs> pastor out by name, the church by right. name, the leadership by name, and to... Uh, and I think, uh, I mean, 
this isn't our topic, but I think there could be a time and a place where that's appropriate. Yeah. Uh, but I don't know that that's always our first step. So I just commend you for the posture you have, even in this, um, even thus far into this, because it sounds right. like you're, you're not allowing this to poison you. And uh, man, that's I, I really commend you. So, so the first thing our Palestinian would friend would say would say is, okay, let's deal with all the logs. And it sounds like you're doing that, right? That that you're not allowing this to poison. You genuinely want restoration and hope for the church. Second thing our Palestinian friend might do is to um, write a letter, if if particularly if there are two or three witnesses, mm-hmm. um, write a letter to the board. And to say, this is absolutely out of love, but this is what I'm seeing, and I really am disturbed by these patterns. Whether or not we agree with masks isn't the issue. The issue is how we treat people who are on a different side of, who are on different, who have different feelings about mask wearing. That's the issue. Um, And if mask wearing becomes like a line in the sand, then my goodness, we're no longer doing Jesus' work. We're doing something else. So perhaps there is a gracious, and, and this may not be practical for loads of reasons, or maybe you've thought of it, but I'm just walking through the Sermon on the Mount saying, okay, our Palestinian friend would always check our hearts first. Secondly, would invite us into the hard posture of reconciliation. Yeah. And for you, that reconciliation has to be truth-telling. You cannot just pretend this didn't happen or this is why you left. I mean, you you have to be super honest about that. If they don't respond, then I do think you would have an obligation privately to warn the people that you are close to that this is happening and they've not responded well to this, and then to encourage the people in your circle uh, to to find a new spiritual home where their leadership is much healthier. Um, About masks, and let's just talk about masks for a second, and this really bothers me. When I'm at the dentist, Two years ago, my assumption is when they were breathing into my mouth that they had masks on, when I would go into surgery that they would have masks on, Um, my assumption was that that people who were sick on an airplane, if they were really considerate, they'd wear a mask. This was not a political issue. This wasn't about fear. This was just about love, wisdom, and concern for neighbor. That's really what it was. Um, It is tragic that this has become politicized as an expression of my rights. Because this Jesus Palestinian fellow, um, he modeled, according to Paul, the most important posture for Christians to take. Philippians 2, Jesus had all of the privileges of deity, and he set them aside to become nothing for the sake of others. And, and Paul says it in another place, he, he was rich, but for our sake became poor. The posture of Jesus' people is always the relinquishment of rights for the good of the other. Always. Anything else is not Jesus. It just isn't. So anytime I see in myself or in the Christian community an emphasis on my rights, my wants, my desires, my preferences at the expense of the other, that is sin, that is antichrist. And that's not too strong a word. Our churches are filled with this. And I'm filled with it too. So, but we have, but truth telling has to be done here. And so let's just call it for what it is. To say, to, to live in an environment 
where we don't know a lot about the virus initially. We do know that people who may not experience symptoms can be carriers of it, even if they themselves are not vulnerable to the virus. Out of sheer love of neighbor, you would think the Christian community would lead the way in doing whatever we could to protect the immunocompromised, my son who has Down syndrome, the elderly, right? We would do everything in our power to protect them. And that that posture gets mocked as living in fear yep. is utterly disgusting. It is so not that. My goodness, it is not that. That is the basic orientation of love of neighbor for everything. Yep. You cannot read the Sermon on the Mount and come away with the idea that the predominant posture of the Christian community towards other people is one of uh, emphasizing our rights over uh, the other or to the detriment of the other. It is just the reverse. So uh, my friend who has suffered because of this nonsense, I agree with you. I lament with you. I join you. Insofar as I know, and I'm an idiot, so I could be dead wrong, but insofar as what you're saying, I understand. I join with you in the lamenting and grieving and standing in opposition to the posture of the leadership in this. Um, the biggest thing is that it doesn't poison your heart. Yeah. The, bi the biggest thing is that uh, you attempt reconciliation, if, if at all possible, and if it does not do further harm. Maybe you need to wait a while for it to happen. I've been in situations where I needed to wait a year the before I could actually, part. yeah, before I could yeah. even open myself up to it. Yeah. But I never felt permission as a Jesus follower to close it off. I did feel a great deal of permission to wait until I could engage it from a healthy place. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So all of those disclaimers apply to you, and I'm just so freaking sorry. Tim, you want to add anything to that? Because I, I know that's something going on in your area too. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I this has been, obviously, if you've been listening to the podcast, a thorn in my side for the last year plus. I don't get it at all. And it makes me, it makes me really angry and it makes me very cynical, which is also something we've talked about <laughs> quite a bit on here is me Tim cynical times. cynicism circle. Yeah. Uh, but it, yeah, I have seen a church split over it, which seems like the most bananas thing possible. Yeah. And even, um, yeah. And there was actually something else even in the last week that happened with a different church and, um, and the uh, freedoms um, or living in fear conversation was a big part of it. And I'm just like, what in the right. world? It, it makes right. no sense at all. And it makes me so frustrated. But I love, I think that every, I, I do get poisoned by it. And just you reading that email made me feel instantly angry that this is even a conversation. Oh, me too. Me too. This year has been such a reckoning, or not a reckoning, but like a such an exposure of things that I was like mildly frustrated with church and trying to understand why we should be at church anymore. Yeah. This year has brought all of that stuff to the surface and absolutely. And isn't it glorious? It is. I mean, but it's so sad too. Cause like that, I sent you that meme yesterday that was said, um, or was it, it was a tweet from a non-Christian I'm assuming it says, I'm so sick of seeing Christians in America claim persecution. You're not being persecuted for loving Jesus. 
you are being held accountable for not acting like him. <laughs> totally. And that was the world, like, a, that's, that is a lot what the world sees in this. Yeah. And it's, yeah. And that is the face of Jesus, unfortunately, yeah. uh, to, the, to the broader spectrum is, is people who are so angry that they are being told that they should wear a mask during a pandemic. Right. That yep. the world sees this and they see Christians as representations uh, of Jesus as the most selfish people. And it totally burns me. The most entitled. Oh, man. It's terrible. It's yeah. abs- It's absolutely terrible. Well, but it's so healthy because we're finally seeing the fruit of of all this church growth crap that I've done and bought into and that we've done and bought into. What's that the hope by appealing... for? Because that division is still like if if we see this and people are seeing that fruit and they're pulling away, like this guy that wrote the email, yeah. and he's questioning if he should go. But that church will probably still continue with a large congregate down that mm-hmm. path. And then what are we? Are we are we another faction? Yep. Is Christianity split yet again? Yeah. Ab- I, my I, I... my friend, if people are going to draw lines around what it means to love your neighbor in ways that that are antithetical to the posture of Jesus then yeah that's just it's not christian now i'm not saying i am right i'm fu- i'm filled with all kind of rights claiming and entitlement i mean my lord um i mean particularly when it comes to whether or not my mcdonald's is ready in 30 seconds or not not really <laughs> not not actually that but loads of other ways and so I am as indicted as everybody, but there, there just seems to be a tragic lack of awareness, listening, lament, repentance. Yeah. And, uh, and that's all we're asking for. I mean, it's okay to say, listen, this whole thing, we should have been wearing masks. I'm sorry. And you lose people. I, I'm so proud of our little church because they were willing yeah. Out of love of neighbor, they closed when they didn't have to. They closed longer. And then when they came back, they required masks. One of the very few communities to do this, from what I understand. And people left. And the yeah, church financially sacrifices. suffered. Yeah, exactly. Right. And um, and so anyway, I, I, I wanted to just take a moment um, to, just, to just respond to not just the, the issue, but the, the posture um, an orientation of, of the church to the world that I, I, um, and I just think, I mean, we've talked about this so many times. I just think Jesus is exposing the, yes. the corruption, the, the, the malformation of all the ways we've done. We've thought to do church with our smoke and our fog machines and our awesome motivational sermons that it, just to appeal to all of our self-help therapeutic individualized instincts. It's all commentary. Come on. So anyway. And you know what, Tim? I got I got planks. I got so many planks. In fact, yeah, but if I had a band. The way that you even framed that with uh your planks. <laughs> to keep I can with call a wood me analogy. Plank the, uh, guy. <laughs> the going in speaking truth, but then the heart of reconciliation. Even the way even the way he worded it in his email that oh. you know. He's praying listen, for the spirit of the of the pastor through all this and stuff. At least he, you know, listener, you're you're starting 
with the correct posture. You're more mature than I ever was at whatever age that was, even if it's yeah, older. Yeah, I just went in and started screaming and yelling. <laughs> and let me tell you where that gets things. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's super helpful too. All right. So, um, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for um, for uh, sitting through that. Uh, but I just think it, we 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 are um, really surprised by the number of vocational ministry folks who tune in. And I yeah. think there's, um, I, I just, and I, and I think, I think we're, we're, this is, this is something we're going to have to keep uh, talking about. Um, all right, yeah. back to our charts. Oh man, <laughs> this was so we need fun. need a chart for this one. Oh, we, yeah, my goodness. So, so uh, if you go on our Instagram page, there are two charts, Tim helpfully labeled, <laughs> not this one. Well, what did you say? I think I said not this, but this. Yes, there you go. So the not this one is just by way of review that the traditional message I heard. I don't know how you guys heard it, but I I heard it. I saw it in movies. I heard it in music. I saw it at church. It was the my eternal destiny is either in heaven or hell, and and so I lived my life with that the fear of of hell, the reward of heaven ever before me. And there, there's a there's a time in history where God's going to come back and he's going to pull all of his righteous people out. And then he's going to judge the earth and put it through a great tribulation. And then there's going to be this great judgment that takes place. And that judgment is going to be like a big, a, a very long YouTube video replaying all of the things I did that were anything that was secret, anything that I didn't th- want anyone to see. It's going to be embarrassing. Yeah, it's going to be absolutely humiliating. And then for some of us who either passed the right theology test or fed the poor enough or whatever, we get it, we get in, but we're just, you know, by the skin of our teeth and God's grace alone. And then everyone you else may is only damned. Have two jewels in your crown, not five. Exactly. And a mansion that's a little smaller, but okay. A little smaller. But it's better than the other place because the other right. place is where you're tortured by the devil and demons. And forever, yeah, and um, in your conscious forever. So, which if you've ever seen the Adam Sandler movie Little Nicky, it does not look pleasant. I, first of all, I don't know that any Adam Sandler movie is pleasant, <laughs> but um, no, I, I no Billy I, Madison love. No, I there's some. The biggest part I loved is his fight with Bob Barker. That's always the price my, is wrong. Yeah, <laughs> that's always my favorite. But anyway. And, and there are parts of that story that are true. There is judgment. Heaven and hell are real things and real powers. Yes. And, um, and certainly there is a destiny attached uh, to individual souls. The problem, however, is that this isn't the story the Bible emphasizes or tells. And, um, and, and again, I'm not asking you to take my word for it. Pick up Genesis, read through the Old Testament, and just what's the Old Testament doing? What's it doing? What, what is it concerned with? And then if Jesus comes as the fulfillment of that, right? Because we just read, we take the Romans road or the bridge illustration and just read that right back into the Gospels. And it causes us to miss 
what Jesus is doing with Israel in the midst of the Gospels. And so we, we get this privatized, individualized hell insurance where in some cases it doesn't matter at all how you live. If you pray to prayer, you're good. And then read the Gospels and ask if that's what Jesus is inviting you into. Just does he use that? Does he use that language ever? Is he inviting people into heaven? Just read the Gospels. You don't have, don't trust me. Read the Gospels. You're going to read about judgment, and you're going to read about a place called Gehenna, and you're going to read, um, uh, I think it's how oh, it's something like eleven times, or six, fourteen times, but eleven of those are from Jesus about everlasting fire. You're going to get to Revelation and be like, oh, lake of fire and lake of burning sulfur. And you can get where some of these images come from. I was listening to Lake of Fire yesterday. I was thinking of singing it. Johnny Cash? No, the like the, the meat puppets, the one that Nirvana covers in the Unplugged. Oh, my goodness. Where do bad folks go when they die? I mean, I've never heard of this. I was thinking Ring of Fire by really? Johnny Cash, oh. but yes. No, I've not, I've not heard. I've not, I didn't go that deep with Nirvana. I know. Sorry. Pearl Jam showed up, and then that was, they took me home. <laughs> that was it? Yep. Uh, so, so what we're suggesting is the Bible tells a different story. And this is the, this is the, but this, the story is really right. about heaven and earth, not about heaven and hell. And the story is about the cosmos, not about, or the, or the cosmos, the if cosmos. you're Gombus, if you're Gombus, the story is about the cosmos, <laughs> not about my individual soul. And the judgment isn't the judgment of me individually sitting under a YouTube video and that the message of Jesus isn't primarily about what happens after I die. Mm. Um, and that hell, when it's spoken of, is used to warn religious people. It's never used to motivate belief from unreligious people. And, that's a big one. That's a big one. And in the context of Jesus, it's mostly used to warn the religious leadership of Israel. So suck on that. We were we are gonna get to the subject of hell either this episode or next. Although we're kind of half hour into this one, but I want to talk about judgment before we get to hell. All right, judgment, judgment in the Bible is great news. It, it's actually like we can't wait for this to happen. Now, in some cases, judgment is I, we can't wait to see God destroy Israel's enemies. And it's very, very negative. In the Psalms, there are Psalms about God, you know, kids being dashed upon the rocks. Like, we can't wait for that. And so humans twist this, of course, then and now. Absolutely. But when you look at the preaching of Jesus, there, there, are, certainly, there are certainly teaching about a, a judgment. And in Paul, there's loads of teaching about judgment. And so we can't pretend that that's not there. The issue is what, is, what is that judgment doing and why is it needed? So if our story, if the big biblical story is the creation of heaven and earth and the creation of heaven and earth was to be this interlocking set of realities and authority that, that met in the Garden of Eden and that the image bearers were to expand the Garden of Eden throughout the earth. Um, and, then, and then this heaven and earth system gets ruptured by sin and death, right? They rebel and they, instead of overseeing creation, they yield their authority to a part of creation. And what that, that, that 
allows the chaos that was outside the garden into the garden. Hmm. God banishes them from the garden, but he's still with them. But yeah. now there's a there's a there's a disruption, right? They have to cover themselves. Now there are altars and 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 that develops into tabernacle worship and so on, so on, so on. God selects this man, Abram, forms him into a nation. Uh, the tabernacle was the place where heaven and earth would now collide, even though God was everywhere, but that was the unique space that develops into the temple, of course. God's spirit departs from that in Ezekiel. So the big question, the end of the Old Testament, is when will Yahweh return to his temple and restore his people? That's yeah. the question Jesus season is answering. Season one ends on a cliffhanger. Right. And season two doesn't begin with a new plot. When Matthew starts with, here's the genealogy of the son of Abraham and the son of David, he's telling you, hey, and then he, and then he gives you three sets of 14. I mean, it's this stylized genealogy that says... By the way, this is the fulfillment. You want to know when Yahweh's coming? Here he comes. Yeah. But he's not coming in the judgment you thought. And he's coming right. so much different. Different, so differently than what was expected. And the, the, the story ends, and Jesus proclaims, he's like, the kingdom of the heavens. Heaven is now invading earth in the form of Jesus. And Jesus teaches his disciples, pray right? Heaven, come to earth. May your will be done on heaven as it is on earth. And then he commissions them to disciple people into that reality. Yeah. And, and the Sermon on the Mount is him teaching and embodying what it looks like when heaven comes to earth. And then the, the story ends beautifully with this intermingling of a new heaven and new earth. And then the, the word new there doesn't mean brand new. It just means there's a new quality to it. It's renewed. All things are made new. Yes. So great. So, so to get to that new creation, there is judgment and there has to be. I'm going to quote Joshua Ryan Butler skeletons in God's closet. He has a whole front section of his book on this and on hell. That's that's super accessible, super readable. If you want to go deeper with that, guys like Scott McKnight and N.T. Wright and others um, have done a lot of work on new creation. But he identifies four reasons why the, the, uh, the judgment must happen. And, and again, judgment... Judgment doesn't mean playing eternal YouTube videos in this case. We'll, we'll talk about what it means in a second. But here's why it has to happen. First, uh, he calls it the deception of appearances. If healing, uh, if healing of all creation must take place, then the truth must be told. Jesus hates hypocrisy, which is the deception of what I'm showing on the outside versus what I am on the inside. And so if the uh, abuser um, and the abused, if there's ever hope for healing, right, in both of their hearts or in their relationship, the truth has to be told. Hmm. Um, Paul will say things like, therefore, judge nothing before the appointed time. Wait until the Lord comes. He will bring to light what is hidden in darkness and will expose the motives of the heart. At that time, each will receive their praise from God. All right? Well, why? Why Why is there judgment? Well, because things aren't what they seem. 
right? How much evil has been done in the name of Jesus and gotten away with, seemingly. Or Romans 2.16, this will take place in the day when God judges people's secrets, right? So there's just, there's an accounting that, and it's just truth telling. And it makes sense, right? If healing ever comes in human relationships where there's a rupture caused by sin, truth telling is the very start of that. Yeah. So, so judgment takes place, the victim and the oppressor, this true story has to be heard. So your Timothy, your true story is going to be told. My true story is going to be told. The things, and this was a great deal of hope for the early church, right? That their martyrdom, that their faithfulness, that their quiet fidelity to Jesus was not in vain. Yeah. So we can't, so, so God doesn't pretend, right? So, so there, there is a great truth telling that is coming. Right. Um, and, and that's why, that's why, you know, religion is such a dangerous place to hide from God. Because that truth telling starts is starting yeah. and is ongoing, right? I mean, it's not yeah. like he's waiting. All right, so that's the first thing: deception of appearances. The second thing he calls the brutality of history, and here he quotes from uh, Exodus, or excuse me, Genesis. The when, brutality um, of history is that you said? Yes, the brutality of history, and he quotes from the Genesis story when uh, the Lord says to Cain, "Where is your brother Abel?" I don't know, Cain replies, am I my brother's keeper? The Lord said, what have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out from the ground. Now that's a fascinating concept. Death doesn't silence Abel's voice. It amplifies it. Right? So the same grave that removes Abel's cries from the earth amplifies them in God's ears in a manner of speaking, right? Or in, in the beginning of Exodus, when God says, I've heard the groanings of my people, right there. So there's, there, there's truth telling because things aren't what they seem. And there's truth telling because think about how much blood cries out from the, from this earth, from old creation, from the brutality of all history. (laughs) Oh my Lord. Yes. And then one step further, third reason is that creation itself is in bondage, right? Paul, I mean, and, and that's why new creation and heaven aren't the same thing. Yeah. Creation is set free when the sons and daughters who were to rule creation in partnership with God are set free. So Romans 8, you right? For the creation waits an eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subject to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it. Right? Uh, Us. Yeah. What? What are you smiling at? I and it's just it, it, uh, it's just it's beautiful, and the poetry of it is the what it carries with it. it. Just in that little section right there is it's just heavy. It's so heavy. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth. Well, when you think about see- creation, like the trees of the field, you know the way that creation uh, it, that it's not. Um, you know, for lack of a better word, burdened by um, whatever we have that we're able to choose poorly, right? That right, right, creation exists, right. and, and in that idea, understands its place within who, within the Creator. Yeah. And so the idea that it's frustrated in anticipation of us getting our sh- our stuff together. Ah. You know what I mean? Like that's yes. such an interesting. 
Yes. It, it's a it's a really yeah. I like it. It's incredible. Yeah. Number four, and I think this is mine. I don't know if it's part of it's his or not. But number four, um, his people have become part of the problem, right? Mm. The very people through whom rescue was to come, Adam and Eve, Israel, the church, have become part of the issue. Strike three. And then, <coughs> and I think this was mine also. One of my favorite theologians talks about how sin is the disturbance or vandalism of shalom. Mm. And and so so it, that paints a picture of you we have an enemy, the powers and the principalities that run roughshod over the earth, human wills that are out of control, run roughshod over creation. Creation itself is in bondage, the humans are in bondage. Um and in their bondage, they hurt each other, they lie, they pretend, right? There just has to be for new creation to come, for healing to come. There, there, is, there simply has to be the exposing of what, what has really gone on here. And that, that when you study like the South African Reconciliation Commission, I mean, this is, this is the basis for every bit of justice in the world, even a practice among us, yeah. is you tell the truth about it. Now, and so, and, and, and we just have to know, right? When, when a child is abused, God stands with that child against the abuser, right? A God who is indifferent to this is a God who is awful and ugly, right? I mean, and even, and even we know this, right? If, if, if you don't hate the cancer that's eating away at your child, what sort of monster are you? Yeah. Right. I mean, we hate the things that spoil the things that we love. And so, so how is it that we have this conception of God who's, who's either this bloodthirsty, like, man, are they going to freaking pay for this? I hate them. I remember Driscoll shouting, God hates you into, into his, um, into his, uh, congregation. And you're like, Hmm. It's funny that has that's not how the story starts, but that's a different different sermon. You either have a bloodthirsty tyrant or you have an indifferent absentee landlord, right? Who just doesn't give a crap. Right. Tom Waits, God's away on business. I love your I love how much music you're quoting that I don't know. <laughs> He's my favorite. Well, you're my favorite, so by the property of transitivity, he's my favorite there it is. too. So, so this is, and again, I'm, there are way more sophisticated ways of nuancing this or making this case, but I just thought that was super accessible. Like there's a lot that's wrong. And, and what's great is even the non-religious among us sense this too. See, yeah. we wouldn't put it in religious terms, but we all want this accounting. We want yeah. it. It's not fair that Hitler gets to murder six million Jews and then just disappears into Neverland, right? It's not fair that child abusers go on their merry way. It's not fair that rapists, right? Um, or or uh, sex offenders or serial abusers just get to do their thing. Some get caught, many don't. And so, so there is this holy and natural and even in our humanness, it is magnificent truth-telling that's coming. It's all so interesting. So 
you if you look at all the things you just went through, and I still just can't get past the rabbi and the one foot. Yes. So, and Jesus wrapping up the Sermon on the Mount the same way. Like here is a here is a radical teaching that we spent nineteen hours ourselves picking apart, and it ends with right. like. So to sum it up, love your neighbor. What is loving your neighbor, putting your neighbor first? It's the opposite of placing yourself first and making decisions based on your behalf, which is from day one with the failure of Adam and Eve, however you look at that story, was choosing self and becoming the self. Right. It's just so interesting. that, And so when you think of like um, love your neighbor, the rest is commentary. Right. It's just the balance of that, the imbalance of what, has destroyed everything. And it's the same conversation with the three that you said with Adam and Eve, with Israel, and then, you know, with the church. Now, in the conversation we just had about the mask wearing and our freedoms and our rights and our persecution and stuff, it's choosing self, choosing self, choosing self, choosing self. And then Jesus right. is like, pick this person before you. The rest right. is commentary. Yep. It's just, yeah. Seems awfully clear. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's so funny. I was reading this morning. Go ahead. No, go. I'm not. I was reading this morning about the money that, um, like Bezos and a few people made just during the pandemic. The, Mm -hmm. the few the richest people on the planet, the money they made just in the last year, if that money alone was used to solve third world hunger, they wouldn't take a hit prior to last year financially. And it's just a weird thing to think about how much, like, for some reason, the the Flint, Michigan water thing has just been driving me nuts because it would be pocket change to a few of these guys to to give an entire community that's been without clean water for years just the ability in America to have fresh, clean water. Right. But we're we're just we're so driven by (laughs) we're so driven by fear that we make our argument that we won't be held by fear or whatever right you know what i mean like yeah so afraid of losing our stature or our freedoms that we claim that we are not fearful people and that's why we will not succumb to caring about others right right bananas it is and and it's really easy to get pissed at the rich people oh sure and then and then you're like oh oh i'm in the one percent no, I'm very, this all makes me feel very convicted in a completely different way. In a, um, in like a tangibly motivational way. Like not from a yes. fear of no, judgment and no. a fear of, no. I, but I feel motivated to be what I'm, like to live the way I'm supposed to live because right. I understand why. Right. And it's not yes. out of a fear of uh, flames. Right. That's right. That's right. Because it's a part of something I want to be a part of. Exactly. Like I I have all these new creation instincts towards art and culture and justice and friendship. Yeah. And and they're suffocated often by my old creation instincts, right? Yep. Towards ego and defending yes. and hoarding. And um and I mean I mean Paul is very clear we will give an account whatever that looks like. But the images that are used for that accounting are so interesting. So let's go there for a second. Let's go there for a second. So John, the, the revelator, 
um, speaks of a, a wedding ceremony as heaven and earth crash together with a sloppy wet kiss. Fortunately, <laughs> that's not John's language. Yeah. And, um, and, and when that happens, there are different biblical images for what happens when that happens. Right? So one of them is fire. Yes. Um, and um, I remember Rob Bell years. I mean, I'm talking like early zeros. Um, he, he had a line that I thought was so compelling. He said, the flames of heaven are way hotter than the flames of hell. And I thought that was so interesting. Um, because the Bible does talk about like one of the one of the images for how new creation sorts of sort of envelops us, like WandaVision. Yeah. Yes. Like there's the remember when the when the when the spoilers, so don't if you've not <laughs> watched WandaVision and want to That's your own fault. Fast forward like two minutes. But remember when her illusion fall comes down and it sweeps through. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it and, and and the whole city reverts back to true, right? Right. Yeah. That's how I picture this. Now I don't. Yeah. I have no justification for that other than wow. But but like Paul, so he's in the middle of a, ch- a church split that is over personalities. Dude, I'm a fra- I'm a fan of Paul. He planted the church. I'm a fan <laughs> of Apollos. Apollos, dude, that guy can freaking teach. I mean, seriously, he's a great speaker. Paul, not so much. <laughs> Um, Apollos, I mean, he met the qualifications for what an apostle should have been. Paul, not, not at all. Yeah. And I'm a, I'm a fan of Peter. I mean, Peter, dude, walked with Jesus. Paul, not, no. Yeah. Apollos, he's like third generation. No way. But Peter, dude. So this church is splitting over this. I know it's shocking. (laughs) And Paul is in the middle of a three chapter rant on how dumb this is. (laughs) But he says something in the middle of it. He says, what after all is Apollos and what is Paul only servants through whom you came to believe? As the the Lord has assigned to each his task. I planted the seed, I planted the church, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. And then he talks about how it's grown. He says, by the grace given me, I laid a foundation as if the church were a house. I laid a foundation as a wise builder and someone else is building on it. But each builder should take care in how they build. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, or wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is because the day, and in the text it's capitalized, so that's the day of the Lord, the day of this new creation, that the, their work will be shown for what it is because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it's burned up, the builder will suffer loss, yet will be saved even Though only as one escaping through the flames. Okay, now think about this. This is brilliant. There are so many hidden implications here that are just so juicy, right? First of all, who goes through fire here? Everything. God's people. So the fire is not just for unbelievers, right? Right, yes. Secondly, 
if your if what you have built survives it is possible to have your some of your work on earth survive into new creation that's incredible yeah. that's freaking incredible i don't know anything about that i have no <laughs> idea what that means i don't have a clue i'm just saying paul is saying hey church builders when you build using precious materials, and I'm assuming that means aligned with Jesus, his message, his kingdom, or you use crappy materials, which I'm assuming means not aligned, right? the fire will show. So it doesn't matter how big your freaking church was. Uh, the fire will show what your church really was, what it was built on. But the fire stuff is really interesting, right? Like the, um, Like I was reading about in Daniel with... Uh, you know, in the in the furnace, and how the three boys experience it as experience the flames as dew, and the soldiers were consumed by the flames. And right, that right. God comes down in the pillars of fire. Uh, yeah, that the God the is Israel, a consuming fire. Yeah, and it's and it's it, yeah, and so it's different to Israel than it is to um, Pharaoh's armies, and right the burning right. bush and the flaming tongues to the new church and. Yeah. The yeah. refiner's fire and Malachi, yeah, Malachi, I think. Yeah, yep. so it's all like fire that comes through and and purifies. And yeah, that's right, that's right. And part of its purification is it brings everything to light. Yeah. So, so, uh, I mean, who knows? Now we have to deal with one passage that is greatly misunderstood about fire. All right, and this isn't a hell passage, but you'll see why I feel like we have to deal with it. All right? Yes. Um, there's a passage in Peter, and we got to do a little exegesis here, all right, which is so fun on a podcast. <laughs> but Peter is dealing with the question in 2 Peter 5, why, where is the Lord? He said he was coming back. <laughs> WTF. That's what what the what they're saying, and this is you know, I mean, this is what maybe in the seventies and eighties they're already asking this question. Yeah. So imagine two thousand years later, and so he, uh, and so Peter goes on to talk about the difference in how we perceive time, and so on, and so on, and so on. But then he speaks about these people. All right, now this is very very important. So I'm going to read this very slowly. Second Peter, um, three, I not chapter five, verse. Verse 5 of chapter 3. But they, those people questioning this, deliberately forgot that long ago, by God's word, the heavens came into being and the earth was formed out of water and by water. All right? By these waters, also the world of that time was deluged and destroyed. Now, what, what event is he referring to here? Noah. Yes. And was the world destroyed? Yes and no. It was cleansed. Exactly. Right? It was purified. Yeah. Now that word for destroyed doesn't mean annihilated and start over. Right. It means cleansed, purified, renewed. Okay? Which is a big, yeah, sorry. Yes. By that same word, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire. There's our image being kept for the day of judgment and the destruction of the ungodly. Now, when we get to hell, it's interesting that the word destruction here means destruction. It doesn't mean ongoing torture. So that's interesting. But we'll get to that later. 
This is the passage we got to care about. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire and the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. All right. Now, when it says the heavens will disappear with a roar and the elements will be destroyed by fire, it's the same word that we just saw in reference to the flood, the word destroyed, okay. right? Which doesn't mean obliterated. It means cleansed and renewed. And the earth and everything done and everything done in it will be laid bare. The Greek word is where we get the word eureka when you discover hmm. something in the earth. Isn't that fascinating? That is really interesting. So the idea is that fire is going to reveal everything done in the earth, right? Or, or that fire is going to test the quality of the work yeah. we've done, and some of it might survive, hmm. all right? So this is a far different picture than, um, than the video to the cosmic YouTube video in heaven, right? This yeah. is like... The heavens disappear with a roar and the earth is cleansed by fire and everything is laid bare. In other words, er we, everything now is seen for what is real. Yeah. Oh. The facade is burned away. Yes. Yes. Now, if you think that's a scary thing, I would commend to you the story of Jesus and the Samaritan woman. Because there's this fascinating thing in the book of John Jesus meets first with Nicodemus, a religious leader under the cover of night. And then in John 4, he meets with uh, a Samaritan woman, which is about the opposite end of the spiritual scale. Right. Um, Nicodemus was at night, interestingly, though Samaritan woman's in the heat of the day. Yeah. Nicodemus, a man, a Jewish man, um, though the woman was a Samaritan woman. I mean, the, 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 the cultural stuff at play here, we could spend hours on. Yeah. But the biggest thing that happens, very famously, if you know the story, is that she asks him, you know, he, she's startled by the fact that he's sitting there, and then he asks her for water, and she's startled by that. And then um, we, they get into a theological conversation about what, what the true, what's the true mountain of worship, because the Samaritans believed it was a different mountain. And, and Jesus is like, yeah, 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 that's important, but let's talk about this with your husband. And she says, well, I don't have a husband. And he's like, you're right. Uh, five men have put you away and the man you're living with now is not your husband. Now, everything in her has just been laid bare, mm -hmm. right? At that point, I would be horrified. Her reaction, however, she is stunned. And he then reveals to her in that stunned state in John's account anyway, to a non-Jewish woman that he indeed is Israel's Messiah. Hmm. She runs back to her village and says, come meet a man who told me everything I ever did. For her, that was exhilarating. The man, so, so imagine if she'd met a Pharisee that day. Right. Would the Pharisee, knowing all that she did, have ended with her running back in joy? No. You know, imagine if she came across a pastor or a Levite or, you know, whatever, right? right. In, in almost every other instance, somebody knowing everything I did would be cause for, you know, shame and hiding and silence and running away. For her... Possibly stones. It is, 
it is the best news ever. And as a result, her entire village comes to listen to this Jesus. So there's this thing about Jesus knowing everything. And instead of condemnation and distance, he honors her theology questions. He reveals to her, she becomes like the first um, missionary mm-hmm. um, to Samaria. Right. Um, he, I mean, so, so I know there's this sense of like, oh my goodness, everything. And for me, that's always been fear-based. I just want to say, no, I'm at a place in my life where telling the truth about myself is not shame or guilt or fear. It's, I don't know, it's the opposite of all of those. It's yeah. it's joyful, even the ugly stuff, right? Yeah. It's it's not, because that's, that's the door to freedom. Yeah, well, you've tasted the poison of what it is to hold yes. that stuff. To lie, yes. To lie, to hide, absolutely. And it just poisons you. Yes. Oh my goodness, it does. So, so I know when we talk about everything being laid bare um, and our secrets being revealed, that should be staggering because there is a lot of crap that we've all done and been a part of way more than any of us are willing to admit or even know. Right. 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 Yep. We're not, we don't even know how much carnage we have wrecked <laughs> on each other. So there is a great truth telling. But for this woman, the truth-telling was cause for wonder and awe and welcome. And I think that is the way it will be for us. For those of us who who await the kingdom and the truth-telling, it will be hard. It will be, I mean, it will be painful. I don't, I don't know if it happens all at once or not. Who knows? But it's not the fear of damned to hell. It's the recognition that for creation to be made right, the truth has to be told about everything. Yeah. And um, and I don't know. For some reason, I hunger for that. Yeah. Well, it's like restoring a car or, um, you know, to make it run the way it's supposed to run or your body with, like you said, with cancer or different things like that. Like these things that have to be taken away so that the, so it can perform the way that it was supposed to perform or whatever it's i just like we had a conversation a long time ago about judgment and i think i was asking the question of like and this is relevant to the um, intro that we did about how the church is so fractured has been and Mm -hmm. theology has become so fractured over time every time we draw a line you know we get a new denomination and we get a new fraction of the faith that has a little bit different beliefs and often the beliefs are based around what's important, which then goes into what you're judged for. And so I had yeah. this moment a year or two ago where I was like, oh, crap. Like, there's no way to even know what you, what's, what you would be judged for because it's like picking your team. Totally. And, then, and so it's like under that pretense, I imagine everyone shows up to the gates and Peter's like, listen, only that dude over there got it right. right. The rest of you guys are kind of like varying shades of gray. Right. You're, this wasn't quite right. This wasn't quite right. But Sam over there, he pulled it off. Way to go, Sam. You come in first. The rest of you, we need to talk for a second. Right. Right. What a horrible but thing. The way that this lays out, like I, I always get hung up on I like the sheep and the goats. When it goes to the list of p- the people that you like, did you pay attention? The, I always get like when prisoners pops up in there. I always think that's so fascinating because hmm. it's people who publicly knowingly 
uh, committed a crime or did something that they're that we have decided as a punishable offense you know do you know what i mean it's not a secret crime but it's a public crime and then i think these are but i think those are disciples of jesus i think we i think that passage is greatly misused by social justice advocates It, it jesus is addressing these brothers of mine He's talking about fellow disciples who are in prison. Yes, yeah, I know, but still, within the... Now, that doesn't steal from what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, no, it's the same, yeah, even within that, it's. I think it's fascinating because it. everything keeps... I'm just on this long journey now of the commentary that uh, if, I, if I can't... This is, what, this is what I'm trying to wrap it up to, is that I, if I can't um, understand, parse through the thousands of years of theology that have fractured so many times to understand totally because i feel like that's how i was raised i was raised to have to parse out exactly the way you live so that you're not judged but then why why okay that's let's say all of that's true then why should we even care about trying to get our theology right would you say exactly but that's why i love the fact that jesus seems to be turning it into what you're talking about right now with um this purification and the fire and then the idea of like the way that you exist with other people and the intentionality behind that because it in some ways it does strip away those secret things if we keep pushing towards um hearts that are reaching out rather than um closing off and hiding in it just makes sense yeah sorry that was a really long way that was a really long (laughs) thing to say the logic even logically this lines up in a specific way that makes more sense than this is good news. This is actually good news. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm sorry to insert the whole lecture theology point over you. I I thought you were going somewhere else with that. So I apologize. No, no, no. But it's, I think it's, I think it's an interesting, um, I just think it's interesting. And it makes sense. It is super interesting, but for me, it begs this question. It is way better news. But, and, and sometimes I feel this way. It's like, well, why, why study the Bible at all? Right? I mean, just, you know the Sermon on the Mount. Just do that. Right? What right. else do you need to know, per se? And so I wrestle a lot with why do I care about all of this theology? Is that just another way of hiding? Is that just another, is that performing? I mean, what is that? Why do I care? I don't know. And, this makes me super for, curious about it all. <laughs> well, for me, um, in my own life, as I've unpacked all sorts of stuff, but particularly I see in others, because that's, you know, I can always see clearer there, or at least I think, I've seen the harm that bad theology does. And right. um, even if mine isn't perfect, if it's, if it's, uh, if it's closer um, and liberating, then I think it's worth pursuing. In other words, um, we've seen what the fear of hell does to people. Yeah, We've seen what just cementing people in our individualistic consumer preferences does to people. We've seen what, uh, I'm not talking about mental health in Christian context does to people. And or, demonizing uh, it. Yes, oh my goodness, or sex or whatever. Right. So for me, the theological endeavor is still worth it because I follow Jesus because I'm convinced it's the best way to be human and the best way to exist in community with each other. I've not found 
any guru self-help coach. Like Dallas Willard has this great line I've quoted before. People would ask him, why do you follow Jesus? And he'd say, well, who else do you have in mind? <laughs> right? I mean, who, who else? Right? Yeah. I'm who else is, is this balance of utter, utter inclusion and inclusion that provokes yes. honesty in me? Right, um, where I'm, I'm, in, I'm included so fervently that I can't help but begin to tell the truth, yeah, about everything. I mean, that's just, it just blows my mind. Well, the seasonal break too. That I said jokingly earlier, but um, it's like you're in a new season of the show, and the new season causes you. This is how it is for me. Causes me to look back at season one through a new lens because yeah. I have, I'm yeah. getting, I've been given new. Um, elements in the story that highlight yeah. important features I missed in season one. And I, and then I'm like, Oh, this is really interesting. God does yeah. have, God is doing something here yeah. and it's actually fascinating and it's really intentional. And the things that I misunderstood in season one being the old Testament, I I'm starting to see in a way that makes more sense and yeah. it, and has purpose and it's not a yeah. throwaway. It's like, Oh, this was, groundwork or this was some, I don't know. It's, I, I just, I just think it's so interesting. I think it's interesting the difference between like what we treat as doctrine and what should be treated as like theological opinion or yeah theological interpretation and not mandate to people. For sure. Man, I'm so guilty of that. Yep. That was one of the biggest things I had to unlearn was I, I was so, I thought myself so smart and found so much uh, significance and brightness that you just want to fight every battle. Yeah. And it's so, and see that even popped up with you, right? Oh, oh yeah. That prisoners, that's not, that's, that's Jesus's disciples. Like I automatically had to step in there. How annoying is that? And so, um, I, I really resonate with what you're saying and what this calls out of us. And, um, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, uh, would I follow Jesus if there was no hell? Absolutely. Good Lord, yes. I mean, people are stunned. They'll say, why would you follow Jesus if hell wasn't real? And and of course, we're saying hell is real. But really? That's the only reason? I mean, how? I mean, that's... I'm only, I'm only married to my wife because I'm afraid of singleness. I mean, dang. That's, that's, uh, <laughs> the, that's yeah, rough. Yeah, I mean... I- Hell, whatever hell ends up being, and I mean, I remember being a kid and praying that God would just pull a fast one and let everybody in. I was just like, what mm-hmm. if, man? Like, just, I'm I'm okay with that. I'm okay if I live my life the way that you are asking me to, and you surprise us all and let everybody in there. But the idea, like, Absolutely. if hell doesn't exist, and uh, this version of new creation, this idea of what maybe he started to establish in the garden and God walked in the cool of the evening or whatever amongst right. us. That's worth, like, I, I get it. Like this perfect version where there is no suffering and there is no sickness and yeah. we have a better understanding of what it means to live fully. Yeah. That sounds awesome. It sounds amazing. Yeah. and, and My back uh, the, hurts right now. I'd love for that not to be the case all the time. Dude. Amen. Um... That's so good. Okay, we got to stop. It's I, I have another image to do. We'll pick it up next week. We're at one, right. an hour 15. 
<laughs> it's just Jeez. too good. Well, at least it's it's too interesting to us. I hope it is to other people. But so let me tell you where we're gonna go. Okay. So the next image is the image of light, which relates to fire, of course. Um, and light and fire, water obviously could be thrown in there, or dirt because things are laid bare. Um, they all kind of present the same image. That that there's a great. Um, uh, truth-telling coming. And I don't think that, uh, at least the Bible doesn't seem to indicate, that if you've lived your life in a crappy way, or you've lived your life in an exemplary way, according to the kingdom, that there's utterly no difference between those. Like, I think there is. And I have no idea how to cash that out. Paul talks about a reward. I have no idea. He'll use crown, but that's just a cultural reference. Like right. if I were going to say like an Olympic medal, you know, you'd like, you know what I mean, but that's not the, it's not the real thing. And crown, by the way, has to do with ruling, which is our original vocation. We're going to talk about mm-hmm. hell. And the thing that's so interesting about hell is that you have on the face I- images that tell three different stories. One story that's told on the face of, of, of several texts is that there is an eternal everlasting fire that the ungodly will burn in. And there's another story uh, on the face of several other texts that seems to say, nope, people will be, they will perish. For God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son that whosoever lives in him shall have eternal life. Right? Not perish, but have eternal life. I missed the key part. They shall not perish, but have eternal life. Well, the perish word means literally perish. And even that text in uh, Peter talks about the destruction of the ungodly. And then you have texts that aren't acknowledged well enough by the other two camps that seem to say it's the restoration of all things. It's the reconciliation of everything. Um, um, And so how do we put those together? That's a fun, fun conversation, Timothy John Stafford. (laughs) I'm ready. So very excited for this. Thank you. Thank you, Vox Community for your just sheer awesomeness. Um, I mean, really, I'm sick of affirming you because I know I do it too much, but dadgummit. So Ellen emailed me uh, this last week. She said, closing the loop. Um, She said she felt comfortable with how I represented her response and she loves where we're headed. So thank you, Ellen, for your grace. And then she said, plus one more thing, of course. Um, and then she, she loved that we used to do this benediction at the Mm -hmm. end of our episodes and asked that we would consider doing it again. Yeah. So this is how we used to end. I I don't know why we stopped. It was probably when Tim got on the show and was like, dude, too much Jesus. (laughs) Um, so, so anyway, friends, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you. And in these days, may he give us peace. So my friends, until next time, thank you so much for listening. Thank you for listening to this conversation. The Vox Podcast is a 501c3 nonprofit organization that is supported by listeners like yourself. 
If you'd like to partner with us, you can do so at patreon.com backslash Vox Podcast. You can also engage with the hosts on social media at facebook.com backslash Vox Podcast, on Instagram at Vox Podcast, and on Twitter at Mike Erie. Thank you for walking this road with us.